you one of our regular students for Self-Improvement Wednesday? Each week you get to learn something new. Your lesson this week, Invertebrate Weapons. Your teacher is Dr. Eliza Middleton, lab manager at the Invertebrate Behaviour and Ecology Lab at the University of Sydney. Eliza, good afternoon. Good afternoon. We're going to get on to bugs used as a weapon of war by humans in a moment, <laughs> but they're pretty good. The starting point is they're pretty good as weapons themselves, aren't they? They, they really are. I'm, I'm sure many of the listeners have probably been bitten or, or stung by something unpleasant, uh, whether it be a, a bee or a wasp or a, one of those massive bull ants. And that would just, you know, you, you immediately know these guys, they know what they're doing. They've, they've evolved to do this. And there's plenty of different examples that they sting. They are able to spray noxious chemicals. And then you've got fleas, you know, that, that carry in diseases that can infest thousands, hundreds of thousands of people and kill people, which is what the Black, uh, the black Death pandemic was. Um, it was spread by the fleas. Mm. The techniques they use, uh, I mean, they're different from different species, of course, but take the, 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 the bullet ant. Not only does the sting uh, like, feel like it's, you're being shot, at the same time they release a pheromone which attracts other members of their nest to find you and sting you some more. Yeah, and that, that is an, you know, obviously a very useful colony defence. If, if you have a big mammal like a human coming and poking at your nest, trying to get at the goodies you have inside, you obviously want to let all of your other soldiers know that you have an enemy on, on the borders. Uh, and the honeybees do exactly the same thing. If you get stung by a honeybee, she will release a pheromone, and it's called an alarm pheromone, to attract other honeybees to you, which is why you may have been stung by more than one bee if you happen to be, you know, messing with a, with a colony. Some of the weapons built into their bodies are so incredibly strong. For instance, the driver ant. Yeah, they're, they're amazing at... These guys, their bite is incredibly painful. They have these enormous mandibles that puncture into your skin and they leave two quite sizable puncture wounds. But they're so hard to remove that you'll often just pull the ant's body from its head because its jaws are so strong. It's even been used uh, as impromptu surgical staples to hold wounds shut for days at a time. Mm -hmm. If you think that's incredible, it's nowhere near as incredible as the the bombardier beetle. Yeah, these guys are really... When when they're threatened, they eject this hot, noxious chemical spray that is an irritant to the eyes and the respiratory passages of vertebrates. It's able to kill some invertebrates. And they do this by storing inside them two separate chemical compounds in in two reservoirs so that they don't mix uh, prematurely. And they actively are able to, inside them, mix those two together in a third vestibule to form this chemical that is superheated to the temperature of boiling water. And then they shoot it out in a jet in the direction of wherever their attacker is. And they're able to move their abdomen through 270 degrees, so they can pretty much get you wherever you are. All from a small little bombardier beetle. Now, with these incredible, <laughs> these are in- incredible, sophisticated weaponry, it's hardly surprising that they have inspired human beings who are trying to make weapons. Exactly. The, the bombardier beetle that we're just talking about, um, they're inspiring the development of new blast protection systems or uh, new propulsion systems for a, a wide range of vehicles, including rockets. But there's also the ironclad beetle, 
which is thought to have the strongest exoskeleton of any known insect. And it's so strong, in fact, that they say you can't kill it simply by stepping on it. In fact, in Mexico, it's often used as live jewelry. They'll glue beautiful um, uh, jewels to them and pin them onto their outfits. But by studying the layers of the exoskeleton of this ironclad beetle, scientists were able to create a bendable titanium alloy that was capable of returning to its shape after being blasted by explosives. Hmm. Wow. Okay. The, the Skeeter is a micro drone. Uh, it's based on the body plan of a dragonfly. Yeah. So they, if you can imagine a, a dragonfly, a dragonfly has four wings and those four wings move in a very deliberate manner, which means that they're able to glide, they're able to deal with gusts of winds, they're very efficient. And so this little Skeeter, this micro drone, it has these four wings as well and is able to mimic that wing propulsion of the dragonfly to essentially fly like a dragonfly. And it's designed for covert surveillance, but also for potentially surveying tasks. Okay, bio-inspiration is is one idea, one thing where human beings get ideas from the animal kingdom. They also, though, have used insects directly in war ever since Roman times. Yeah, this, uh, it's it's known as entomological warfare, which I didn't even realise it had its own uh, specific term, but it's a type of biological warfare. And uh, it can be used in in three different ways as a direct weapon against combatants or it can be used to destroy crops and supply lines or it can be a vector to inflict disease. And uh, in as far back as the Roman Parthian Wars, uh, King Barsamia used scorpion stuffed pots that were thrown at the Romans to successfully defend the city of Hatra from them. Uh, And during the Mithridatic Wars, Mithridates ordered... This is amazing. Neurotoxin-laden honey, which was created by honeybees foraging on rhododendrons because the rhododendrons have this neurotoxic uh, capacity to them. And any honey made from the rhododendrons is now neurotoxic. And they left it along the side of the roots of the enemies. The honey is known as mad honey and it would be looted by the Roman invaders who ate it and they'd experience intense sickness and they'd have hallucinations for up to 24 hours, which made them super easy pickings for Mithridates' armies. And Mithridates also released hornets and bees into sapper tunnels. Wow, okay, so really using the insect kingdom as, uh, as one of his armies, really. This, conti- this is Roman times, but it continues right through to the 19th century. We, we all know the kind of the gatling gun. There's also a windmill-like device that propels straw hives full of honey beans from the ends of its rapidly rotating arms. Yeah, that that was used uh, to clear the decks of enemy ships. Okay, so you've got a you've got a, a straw hive and it's got bees and you kind of fling it what onto the deck of a ship of, a, of an enemy ship. Yeah, before before apparently before wanting to board that ship. So the bees just... the bees sting the sailors, the sailors jump into the ocean, you board the ship. Yeah. Yeah. And hope the bees just follow the soldiers into the water. Okay. A- another example, you know, from the region of what's now known as Ubekistan, a bug pit. Yeah, this this um, leader, he was a Emir of Bakara, Nasrallah Bahadur Khan, was known to be pretty nasty. It was a six metre deep hole that he would fill with assassin bugs and sheep ticks and they would slowly eat prisoners alive. 
So the bite of the assassin bug is, is similar to being stabbed with hot needle and then it would ooze digestive enzymes over the flesh to liquefy the tissue and then suck it back up to eat it. So it would leave the prisoners covered in festering sores and eventually they'd uh, be eaten alive. Okay, so once you fell into that pit, you weren't about to get out. Yeah. What about World War II? Because you've got almost all the combatants, it seems, using various techniques. Yeah, it, it seems pretty common that even before World War II started, uh, some of the nations had their own uh, entomological warfare research programs. Uh, so England definitely had one before World War II started. Uh, France researched using an insect uh, called the Colorado potato beetle uh, to use them against German crops to cripple their food supplies. And Germany followed along that idea and they mass produced and tested the weaponization of those beetles in Frankfurt, but it wasn't taken through too seriously. Germany also worked on uh, using insects to spread diseases, including the plague, cholera, typhus and yellow fever, but they didn't follow through with actually doing it to any of the other countries. Okay, one country, uh, so one country does though, Japan. Japan did. So Japan is the only verified use of, wep of insects as weapons during World War II. They dropped plague-infected fleas and cholera-coated flies on Chinese cities and is believed to have killed over 440,000 people. They also had plans to spread those fleas over San Diego in 1945, but they didn't follow through. Okay, the use of weapon of insects as weapons of war. Last example maybe is, is the Vietnam War. The Viet Cong used them very successfully against the Americans, didn't they? They did, and I, I think this is, you know, really a, a, a tribute to their knowledge of their environment that the Americans didn't have knowledge of, you know, when, when they were in Vietnam during this war. So the Viet Cong had dug their networks of underground tunnels and from those networks, they would pop up and lob wasps and hornet nests into US positions to disrupt those defences before they'd attack. And when the Americans went down into the tunnels to engage with the Viet Cong, instead they ended up setting off trip wires of all of these booby traps and they'd have a rain of scorpions falling down on them. The Viet Cong also tied the nests of the Asian giant honeybee to small explosive charges and they would lay them along routes and set them off when enemy were nearby to trigger the bees to attack the enemy. Did the US have an idea of, of fighting back with insects? They did. They, they had uh, started researching using an apparatus to do what we spoke about earlier, which was to use the alarm pheromone of bees against the Vietnamese enemy. So they wanted to spray the Vietnamese somehow with this alarm pheromone to kind of draw the bees into the fight for their side. But that didn't quite work out, despite the, the wonderful title of some of the US military operations, Operations Dropkick, Big Buzz and Big Itch. <laughs> yep. They did a lot, a lot of research into this and they did some of it, um, tested some of these on their own citizens. Oh, God. All right. The use of insects in war and their own abilities as, as weaponised soldiers against each other. What a fabulous lesson, Eliza. Thank you so much. Thank you. There's Eliza Middleton. There you go. The promise that you'll learn something new. I, I think we all did, didn't we? Did anyone know all of that? Amazing stuff. Uh, thanks to Dr. Eliza Middleton, lab manager of the Invertebrate Behaviour and Ecology Lab at the University of Sydney. You can listen again online at abc.net.au slash Sydney. Maybe you've got a young person in your house who you're trying to turn on to science and biology. Well, that will do it, I reckon. 
Uh, you'll also find details of how to subscribe to the free Self-Improvement Wednesday podcast. Next week, greetings and acknowledgements of country in Gadigal with Professor Jacqueline Troy, Indigenous language expert at the University of Sydney. That's Self-Improvement Wednesday next week. Thank you.